How are fish eyes like tree rings? That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. Last Wednesday, President Joe Biden announced sweeping actions to combat the climate crisis. Biden signed executive orders that, for the first time, declare climate change as a national security priority. He directed federal agencies to end fossil fuel subsidies and pause the leasing of federal lands and waters for drilling. He also pledged that the federal government would start buying electric cars in volume. One of Biden's more ambitious goals is to conserve 30 percent of U.S. lands and ocean waters by 2030, referred to as 30 by 30. The 30 by 30 target is based on scientific recommendations to address the rapid loss of biodiversity and use the natural environment to fight climate change. Biodiversity is the foundation for healthy ecosystems, but species have been disappearing at alarming rates not seen over the past millions of years. According to the U.S. Geological Survey, only 12 percent of lands and 23 percent of oceans are permanently protected and were slowly expanding until Trump was in office. In order to protect the oceans, Vox reports that more action is needed off the continental U.S. because most of the marine protected areas of the country are around Hawaii and the western Pacific. You can learn a lot about a tree and its history by studying its rings. And you can learn a lot about a fish and its habitat by looking at its eyeballs. Scientists from the University of California, Davis, say that fisheye lenses grow during its life, and similar to tree rings, they record chemical signatures of what the fish ate as each layer formed. Their eyes act like an archive and provide insights about habitats, food sources, and pollutants. The researchers looked at juvenile Chinook salmon living in three distinct food webs, a river, floodplain, and hatchery in California's Central Valley. They found that fish on the floodplain grew quickly and appeared to have additional layers of lenses compared to fish reared in the river or hatchery. The test site in the floodplain is used for rice farming that leaves sulfur residue in the water, and that was a strong clue to trace which habitats fish used. The team says the data can be used to restore habitats and learn how landscape disturbances impact fish. Methane is about 25 times more potent than carbon dioxide at warming the planet. New research shows that methane emissions from abandoned coal mines are 50% higher than previously thought. And that has serious implications about efforts to reduce releases of the powerful heat-trapping gas into the atmosphere. After a coal seam is mined, it continues to leak methane when the location is retired and abandoned. Some mines fill with water, which stops methane leaks after about seven years, but if no flooding occurs, then it can leak for decades. As of 2015, there were nearly 50,000 abandoned coal mines in the U.S., but the new research says that only about one-third of them were flooded, with the rest leaking methane into the air. Although coal mining is decreasing in the U.S. and Europe, it's rapidly increasing in other parts of the world like Southeast Asia and India. 
Food waste is a frustrating and growing problem worldwide. In the U.S. alone, as much as 50% of all food is thrown away, which is not only an economic loss, but a significant waste of the water and energy used to produce it. Also, wholesome food that could feed the hungry is sent to landfills where it rots and contributes to greenhouse gas emissions and water pollution. To combat this problem, scientists at the University of California, Riverside, have discovered that if they ferment food waste and make it into a liquid fertilizer, it creates microbes that boost crop growth and make plants more resistant to disease. In their experiment, the fermented food waste liquid was added to water irrigating crops growing in a greenhouse. Within just 24 hours, the researchers found the number of beneficial bacteria dramatically increased, making the plants grow faster and healthier. They also found that the carbon from the food waste was being used by the microbes to replicate. That raises the potential to use the fermentation process not only to lower emissions from farming, but also to reduce or eliminate the need for conventional fertilizers. And finally, Warsaw, Poland, gets its water from the Vistula River that flows over 600 miles across the country to the Baltic Sea. In order to protect its 8 million residents from pollutants that might be in the water, the city has been looking to clams to tell them if it's safe to drink. Yes, clams, eight of them to be specific, which live in a special tank at a pump station in the middle of the river. Clams eat by opening their shells a small amount to filter organic matter in the water, but they're extremely sensitive, and if they encounter any contamination from pesticides to heavy metals, they clam up. The Warsaw Utility saw this as a great way to create an early warning system, so they brought in local mussels and attached special sensors that would trigger an alarm to automatically shut off the city's intakes if the clams closed up. Since clams can't talk to describe the offending pollutant, the city tests the water in the lab to determine the cause. They say this biomonitoring method is one of the most effective and inexpensive proven technologies for protecting water quality, and it's catching on. According to CBS Minnesota, the city of Minneapolis has 12 mussels on the job, keeping tabs on water coming from the Mississippi River. Both cities return the bivalves to their respective rivers after they've served their time. Until then, they hang out feeding and, you guessed it, are happy as clams. That's it for this week in water. We'll catch you next time.